Are you ready to get peculiar? Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Ray. Some people call me the host. <laughs> with Not me, me though. And exactly, because you are the anti-host. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. And who are you? Tell the people. Who am I? Why I am Stan Iron Man. No. What? What, what, what are you referencing? I don't recognize that at all. What? <laughs> what are you, kidding. Weezer? Weezer um, covering uh, Crazy Train? And like ripping off the riff exactly for one of their songs on their new album? I made a reference back to when we were in high school and you totally missed it. Oh. Oh, wait, you're right. Wait, I don't remember. I said I was Stan Snow. Stan Snow, I'm sorry. I do remember I do remember the snow part. And so, I do remember the Stan Munson part. His name was wrong in the on the yearbook or something. Yeah, that's exactly right. You got it. Uh, my handwriting was so bad that we, we could have our yearbooks personally engraved. And I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to do that. And so they said, Well, what name do you want? And I wrote Don Munson and I wrote my name in cursive. And apparently my D was so mangled that they thought it was an ST. And then they were like, it can't be Stan Munson. So they gave me Stan Munson. And then uh, we we laughed about it because, like, I made up the last name because if you draw Munson in big block letters and flip it upside down, it looks like no snow. So then I called myself Stan and Snow. Um, But yeah, that was a... This is a deep awesome. dive for all y'all. <laughs> was, that was an in-joke for um, certain people hosting this particular podcast, if that wasn't abundantly clear. And certain people didn't get it. No, not at all. I had to explain the joke. Everybody knows that when you explain the joke, that's the best way to tell it. Well, you know what? When you're on a podcast with an audience that isn't familiar with your high school experience, it probably is the best way to tell it. You're supposed to laugh uproariously, and then we just move on. That was how it was supposed to go. But you know, usually, usually we have a guest on at this point to come on and talk about the finale. But there is no finale. (laughs) Well, let's put it this way: if this is the finale, I am at best puzzled, and at worst like downright angry that that's how it's supposed to go yeah it almost like there's this moment at the end of it and this was before i knew that there was going to be an extra episode but there's a moment at the end of the credits where i comes back on screen and says thank you like she's like thank you for watching and it was such a slap in the face i never wanted to strangle a fictional character more that's my cross to bear. Um, we're talking about Wonder Egg Priority, episode 12. As we discussed in previous episodes of this show, they were struggling big time because they had had to give up one of their episodes because of production issues. So episode 12 is not the finale like it was meant to be. Instead, they're going to come back with a special in June 
And by the time this comes out, it may be already out, and we may be talking about it immediately after this, or there may be a break in between. But it the point is, any on your part to uh, time it so effectively. <laughs> yes, my mental breakdowns and my difficulties buying a house <laughs> certainly <laughs> were certainly premeditated in facilitating my ability the, to uh, the the to, grand reveal of yes <laughs> wondering priority episode 13 um this episode doesn't resolve anything except maybe it it's i guess it reveals the sort of um thing that we were building up to in previous episodes where we find out how i actually reacted to her mother having a relationship with mr sawaki I don't know that that is fully resolved. I mean, but, maybe but the is, maybe the Mr. Sawaki thing isn't, but certainly I's feelings about it and about yeah, his relationship are, with her mother is resolved. That's that is clarified, and it's clarified in a very interesting way. I think um, the way that go ahead and talk about it. Oh, okay, I, I will. Thank you for that opening. <laughs> um, so it's what we do here. So just to establish a baseline, uh, we we have I has not that kind of what, I, what are you? You're, is this Seinfeld? Is yes, that what you're that, doing? That so, a baseline. That's so I has gone into the dream. She has found. She has you know opened the egg. The egg is her, and then. <laughs> That sentence just doesn't work. <laughs> but it's not wrong. It's it's so philosophical sounding. I have opened the egg and the egg is me. <laughs> yes. And but like new age philosoph- philosophy. The villain to defeat in this case is Mr. Sawaki. And but not like actual Mr. Sawaki, some kind of like as we've as well, we yeah, some suggested version. previously. In this case, it ends up being his head atop four uh, ink uh, uh, containers, sorry, of uh, paint um, tubes yes. or spinning paint tubes, uh, all of which seem to have a slightly different ability. And one of these, the, the purple one, uh, when dissolved in water, which both eyes have been cast into, um, sends them into some sort of weird mental trance. And first just, of all... Just yeah. to be clear, I, I read that as blue, just because I think that it's supposed to be like the blues. You know what I mean? Like I could have sworn, because I, you know, I watched both episodes, or I watched the episode twice, and I remember thinking it was very purple, but uh, this is not an important point here. We can, no. we can move on from that particular. But in, in case anyone else saw it as blue, I just wanted to say that I also saw it as blue. So your your feelings are validated. Thank you. By no um, one. <laughs> but we're watching this episode, and um, <laughs> and first of all, she's saying, um, I saying, well, you're you know, you're not Mr. Sawaki. You're a projection of my fears and my my feelings. You're sort of a mental projection. Yeah, it's a very and, astute observation. And he says, no, I'm not. I'm actually just sort of the public. F- this is what you're seeing is the true me. But who you're thinking of is actually the public face that deceives you. Um, Which is a very the- persona thing to yes. say. 
Uh, and so they they battle around a little bit, and then she is sucked into or you know cast under the spell of this um, purple or blue, depending upon your mm-hmm. particular choice, uh, ink. And blue. there's two eyes now. And I did have trouble, even though I watched it twice, keeping track of who was who. I knew that I could follow using the hair clip. That was um, my only go-to as well, was the hair clip. Uh, but even when we had the hair clip in mind, there were some challenging things in the episode. But, um, so, Ai, who is the rescuer, um, the strong Ai, finds herself with Koito, who tells... It was a little weird. Like, she's running with Koito. Um, in fact, the, the focus is off of the, the suicidal Ai. Um, she she is pulled out of the pool by Koito. Koito tells her to take off her shoes, and they sort of run up to the roof. And there they encounter Mr. Sawaki again, but this time he's just a man. But he's talking to them. And he's talking about how they're beautiful um, and their beauty is perfect at this age and they're going to grow and their love will be corrupted by age. And instead of the sort of pure, delicate blossom of first love, instead they'll they'll feel selfish love. They will, which is, I guess, the love that adults feel. Um, I was unaware that uh, my love was all selfish. Um, and I don't really know how that would affect the love I have for my children, but be that as it may, we're talking right. about um, Ai's love for Mr. Sawaki. And he says, you know, you, you are, um, it, wouldn't it be better to end it here and never end your lives here and therefore never, um, never lose that sort of perfect love, perfect existence. And so, I finds herself on the edge of the roof holding hands with Koito. Yes. And this is, as far as I recollect, this is how Koito died. She jumped from the roof. Right. And and so what I saw this as is is that even from the moment that she that she tells her to take off her shoes, which I think that there's two implications here. The one is that wearing wet shoes is gross. But the other is that people who, as we've seen in other shows, and as I've mentioned before on this podcast, people who jump off of things, of roofs and whatnot, tend to take off their shoes. Um, And so I think that what we're seeing is an actual moment of the temptation of death, just like we saw it with Rika uh, and the, the cutting the the preacher man or whatever he was uh, the the prophet the false prophet let's call him um and you were mentioning how mr sawaki saying that like your love is pure adult love is filthy you know um you should die before you grow up and this is very similar to what um Neiru had a conversation with the long-haired girl um, who said that she wanted to die while she was still pretty. I feel like it's come up elsewhere too in some of the anime and themes we've watched, but I'm struggling now to recollect where. Yeah, I I don't think it's that foreign a concept uh, that it would be only 
it's it's that it would be that it, it could it could be part of many different girls' stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm it, sure as part of a reason for suicide, it comes up a lot as well in the real world. I wonder about that. Um, I agree. It feels like a very adult justification for why a child might commit suicide or might be encouraged to commit suicide. But I think being a child in that moment and being depressed enough to consider committing suicide, I wouldn't think you'd do it because you're like, oh, well, this, like, for example, you wouldn't commit suicide after feeling the the bliss of first love. I mean, that's, most people are not, maybe if that love is snatched from you and you fall into a depression, but otherwise I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with the, um, with the right. parallel. Right. But I, I do like that. It's this word that they keep using the temptation of death that we're seeing it manifested in such a real way as we head into the finale, basically. Um, one thing you missed, which I really did think was important was that eyes, um, Leon, her, her chameleon, uh, companion, she is trying to keep him from getting killed the way that the other um, companions have been murdered. So Rika and Momoe at this point have both lost their companions to Dot and Hyphen. And I is concerned that if she lets Leon out, that it's going to also be killed by these creatures once she frees Koito. And the Akas release him against her will, which seems, again, like a huge violation. Yes, and they're very explicit about it. They say, hey, you need to release Leon. She says, I won't do it. Um, they say, we gave him to you, and he may have imprinted on you as your, as the mother, but we made him. And they summon him remotely. Yeah, which, again, crossing a line, um, it seems like they're saying the eggs are the priority. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> but are you, you they recovered, you could recovered sufficiently from that knee slapper of a joke there i i did i did it's not even a joke really it's like literally the point uh I mean, the eggs is, are not the priority well, the question therefore is what is there well and in fact we get to some of that in this theme in this particular uh episode where akka and ura akka are talking about what's important uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know my notes in front of me, but it's they're okay. essentially saying, like, is one of them says, you don't seem to care about Frill at all. It's only about mm. your daughter. Um, and the other, whichever Akka it is, responds like, well, hasn't it always been that way? Right. Indeed. It would seem that this is a man bent on revenge. Well, is it revenge or that's the thing that, so we're talking about brushing the edges of parallel universes. Do you believe that? First of all, I want to ask this because I'm not sure I do. Although we're seeing an eye from a different universe. If this is just a simulation, she's just a, she's just an algorithmical outcome. She's just, what if, what if I had never met Koito? You know, well, like she is an algorithmic outcome. It's just an equation. And 
it's just a it's just a calculation of what would happen if I had never met. Since we're dealing with AI and advanced robotics and whatever, um, I think that it's safe to say that this could be just a simulation of I, that the eggs are in fact a kind of simulation that's housed in these computers based on real girls, either scanned brainwaves or something. I'm not sure. I mean, you're you're kind of going you're kind of going out there to posit this hypothesis in just in the sense that we haven't had a lot of a lot of foreboding or foreshadowing that that is what they're intending to reveal. But what have we had that actually says that it is a parallel world because there's no evidence that these parallel people exist outside of this dream. Well, we had no, you're right. Outside of the dream, we do not see that. But inside of the dream now, um, Nehru has had that discussion with her, you know, the... Kotabuki. Right, who's who's floating around. And and now Ai has run into herself, which seems like it would be a difficult... Yeah, you could spin up another Ai, and then hypothetically she would reach the point where she committed suicide. Um seems very plausible um and it also it, there's still some unresolved stuff circling back just a little bit with uh mr sawaki because uh as i i mean we, we didn't get to the point where i defeats mr sawaki and interestingly enough she doesn't do it out of guile or you know dodging she essentially just summons her weapon to be larger and larger each time and in this particular case, she essentially summons it to be gigantic and smashes him. Before she does that, though, you know, he he's trying again to prey on her insecurities and claim that, you know, her mother is a monster for wanting to marry him when, you know, it's it's clear that he disturbs I, um, which it does beg the question, how much does how much does he know? I don't know the answer to that. Or sorry, how much does she know? She meaning his, Ai's mother, um, about Mr. Sawaki and I. But he does reveal that I was the one who asked him out. Um, yes, he does. And this is an interesting plot point because we don't know when it happened, but it's clear it happened from with both eyes who did that. Uh, and if that is the case, then... Mr. Sawaki is being awful by spending time, like pretty much if if the kid asks you out, you should not be spending time hanging out with that kid's mother and forming a, like it, there's too much mess going on there, in my humble opinion. That's an interesting point that I never even considered is that if, you're right, if I can, like, confessed her love for him he knew she had feelings and then he started seeing her mom that's such a tricky area i mean he clearly not, he clearly really must have drawn a wrong. he clearly must have drawn a line in the sand though oh yeah what line did he draw in the sand i'm not going to date you the line <laughs> i i yeah this uh, is an inappropriate relationship that will no longer so how is he the villain for the eye who committed suicide? Was she like tormented by her thoughts of him? And then, I mean, that's then she, her reasons for dying 
They were... suggested clearly in there that her reason for dying was that she was being bullied and that Koito wasn't there for her, so she had nobody. Well, yeah, she was friendless. But her the the manifestation of her villain is Mr. Like the the other people who was right. It's not a bully, right? It's not a bully. It's Mister Mister Sawaki. So that would imply that the source of her torture is Mister Sawaki. Also, her pen bullying girls. Yeah, has those four colors. Although you said it one is purple, I still think it's blue because it matches the pen. But maybe there were more colors. I don't remember. But at the at least you can see that. Her pen has different colors that she can. That uh, it's one of those click pens that has the various colors on it, and Mister Sawaki's form is several paint tubes that also switch colors. Okay, you got me there. So the visual language there is definitely meant to imply that there is some kind of. She felt some kind of connection to him. Uh, that extended into this dream world somehow. Yes. And it, how do you reconcile who she perceives him to be, though, in this dream versus who he turns out to be in real life, where he's just trying to give her confidence in a kind of creepy way, but well, he by seems... drawing her as an adult <laughs> and dating her mother? Yeah. it's. I mean, But he seems genuinely interested in her... Um, in, in in not saving her, but in showing her a future for herself. He I seems do. to recognize that she is suicidal in some way, and that by showing her that there is a future for her, that her mother can be a kind of, that her mother's strength or whatever you want to call it is kind of a roadmap for her own maturity or development, and that one day she too will be a mature individual that he gives her that future seems like, I don't know, that seems like a really good thing. So first of all, I feel like it is possible that he is both good and bad that, you know, there is, we, we obviously have to balance these things out, but that his influence is not wholly negative or wholly mm. positive on her. We definitely see that it is not wholly positive. Um, but I agree with you that it does not necessarily appear to be wholly negative either. And there's also the question that I have, which is the parallel universes obviously cannot be identical, but for um, Koito, that there's just too many other variables that would get roiled around. So how different is it? You know, is is the Mr. Sawaki over there in a grayer zone? Is he darker? Is it, you know, is the... the one of the things that the paint tube head spouts is, you know, oh, the teachers always have to follow all the rules. You know, we never get a break, which was sort of an interesting line because we do not get the impression that Mr. Mm -hmm. Sawaki crosses any of those quote unquote rules in the waking days of um, I. Do you, you've brought this up in previous episodes of this show though. You brought up the fact that, Let's strike parallel worlds from the conversation for just a sec and just say that the the eggs and the monsters feel like tests, feel like training, in a sense, that perhaps the Akas are choosing 
or programming or accessing these characters in order to prepare and or strengthen or test the warriors of Eros, as they're apparently called, you know, in their fight against Thanatos. Yes, I do think that that's explicit in some ways, uh, because in this episode, they they make it clear they're not going to, or one of the Akas is saying, well, I'm not going to let Rita be part of this. Rika is not permitted to join. Like she's trying to get into the Akka hideout. I don't know what it is. And Did you notice how she's trying to get in? Yeah, she's going through the, the tube of the playground, the playground slide tube. And instead of like sliding down into the actual place, she just, when she slides in, it's just like a regular old slide and she pops out at the end. Did you know any of this? I never really noticed that she'd been sliding down a slide to go into the place, but maybe she had been. I I honestly don't see it in the sense that um, like the first time that, and this is actually very sinister in the first episode when um, I is finding this place for the first time, she goes down an escalator. I remember that very clearly. That yeah. escalator, we never see that again. No, we don't. And there are times when it feels like the girls are like will themselves back to sleep in order to like jump into the dream again. Oh, that was very... In this episode, it happened a couple times with I, who was going back and like the... She was going back into the dream and it turns out that the the... The suicidal eye had saved her, had protected her eye. When <laughs> um, I was having real trouble understanding, like, when is she awake and not awake in this context? How is she bouncing back and forth so easily? Yeah, it was and, a little weird. Um, yes. Love is blind, and then <laughs> I loses her eye. <laughs> I mean, would you sacrifice yourself for yourself? Seems like a sort of a logical step yeah it's it's a lot here at the end um it seems like a lot of a lot of it is just talking to herself to convince herself that there are things worthwhile in the world and if this was the last episode i would have to assume that some part of this has been some kind of suicide fever dream and that she's like in a coma somewhere and there were hints all along. Like, like if this had been the last episode, I don't know what I would have done with the information it gives me because it's very confusing. But uh, as I said before, these, these images of like, uh, like water and drowning to me, that kind of stuff always feels like uh, they're suggesting consciousness or comas or I don't know. It's like visual shorthand for those sorts of things. But Obviously, there's going to be more of this show, so hopefully well, we get some more. of the answers from that. Yeah, one more episode. Um, uh, it's a long episode, I believe. Um, it's a special. It's called a special. So, um, yeah, I. So I does confront her villain in the end. She doesn't get to fight Frill yet. We haven't even seen Frill in the dream world. We have not, and that could mean something too. But the the characters who we have met keep referring to her. So we're going to assume that in the final episode, the Warriors of Eros 
come in direct contact with Frill and the, I don't know, what is what are they called? Uh, the Thanatos. Thanatos and Eros. Yeah. Which I seems very familiar with. I mean, I think they said it a couple times and maybe she internalized it, but yeah. Um, well, she's willing to dedicate her life to being a a warrior of Eros, you know, against Thanatos. And this, but it's weird that they added a joke right here because we've been dealing with names like Dot and Hyphen, which sound like things you put into yeah. the, the, the bar at the top of the Google in order to like write the, the web address. Would you be so kind as to remind me what the name of the Oh creature? my God. Let me go look it up. Uh, I wanted you to do it without looking it up. It's Kirara something. It's, it's in, I mean... Kirara Rodriguez Alfonso Kitchen Sink Rogers. I mean, even, even I is like, I'm Stone. not going to bother. I'm not going to bother remembering this. It's Kirara Kitchen Sink Rogers Stone. Yeah, it's a long name. Kirara... It's there a it silly name. All right, I'm going to read it to you. Are you ready? I guess. It is, oh my God, I was right. It's Kirara Rodriguez matured. Matured? Uh, 18 Evening Star SS Plum. <laughs> I mean, it's a bizarre name. I, I, I can't really read anything into that because we got dot hyphen this person who's face is awful like a bug again who wants shiny things and there's such perfect manifestations of evil i'm under i'm i'm at a loss it's like are these supposed to be like the four horsemen of the apocalypse like what are these things what that's an interesting idea i you know that we know a little bit about them uh we know that in the real world they are in or in the world that we're used to the world outside the dream um in in the story of Frill, we see them in kind of like a stasis. They're just giant bulbs. They're not like, they don't have bodies because I guess um, Frill didn't want them to be uh, as precious as her or to replace her or I don't know what to call it. But Frill didn't want them to be prettier than her and possibly take away attention from her. So they're just these bodiless entities in our world or in the, the real world, whatever you want to call it. The main world, let's call it that. The in the main world, world they, they exist, but they don't seem to have bodies. And in the dream world, they do have bodies, all interchangeable high school girls in their school sailor uniforms. Um but they have their different heads and they open up into weird like butterflies and, and terrible things. <laughs> That's um, a fair statement. Kirara, they all sound playful, uh, innocent in a way. Um, but they're well, they playful, innocent. Like children. Yeah. yeah. They seem a little bit enfeebled, but their playful innocence uh, belies a kind of sinister efficiency a kind of machine logic that uh that doesn't allow them to question frills intentions and orders um 
the names are interesting. Like I was saying, I, I saw it as dot and hyphen are things you type into like, like World Wide Web dash, you know, like or dot uh, Kirara dash Rodriguez, you know, like you'd type something like that into a bar. Like those are like keys. Those are like very simple. And the third sister or whatever you want to call it being called Kirara Rodriguez matured uh, 18 evening star SS plum. I don't know what it means, but maybe the reason it's so complicated is because the process by which she named them started to sort of decay or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I like, feel like you, there's just I like don't... a randomized program, just like typing things. It could also just be a joke. Who knows? Yeah. It could, it's it a could pretty come funny back. joke. It could come back to me. Nothing. Um, but I'm it just, is weird. I'm just trying to put some logic to what is otherwise, you know, inscrutable information we've been given. Uh, we don't have enough information about them. We don't have enough information about what Frill's doing. Um, no, there really isn't any information on what Frill might be doing. And a lot of people online, I, and I think this is a place that's going to be interesting because we can finally talk as equals where I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have any idea. I know that, um, I don't think Leon died, right? So, No, Lee, in fact, I recall exactly when um kirara showed up uh frill oh, I put leon away yeah, she put um not frill uh i immediately put leon away yeah um, and did not summon him again which was a choice on her part and she seemed to think that she could go toe-to-toe with kirara and she also sort of it sort of felt like she could in some ways but then she was blown out of the dream world it seems yes um i also noticed you know kirara ends up i ends up jumping in front of kirara's attack and losing an eye the other eye or is it the right i don't know which eye it is but anyway one of the eyes jumps in front uh loses her eye the, the the suicidal eye jumps in front of or protects the um, present day eye and as a consequence loses her left eye yeah which is interesting because eye has two different color eyes um, again that just seems like a visual metaphor for something I'm not sure what that's a pretty big thing because we've been told several times now at least twice that you shouldn't lose your eyes when you're in the dream world it's the one thing you shouldn't be doing <laughs> So probably, but of course, she's the the eye that loses it is stuck in the dream world, for all we know, permanently. Right, right. She came out of an egg, and we still don't know the providence of those eggs or how. We don't, and we don't know what happens to the people who uh, wake up in the dream world who are restored. We don't know what happened to. That's right. We don't know what happens to them in reality here. Yeah, I have to assume. When they come back, they're put back into their bodies. Well, where? Or yeah, how else would it work? Of course, new then you'd, bodies. You'd be in a corpse somewhere. But in fact, I says she doesn't want to see Koito. Yeah, that's a big reveal too. Um, and I had some kind of confusing language to talk about Koito. She referred to her. She said, even if she's not a real friend, 
which I kind of thought was like, I you know, we we've talked a little bit about maybe Koito using I to get to Mr. Sawaki and then And then being, what? But but there's no there's no actual like straight up like one to one evidence where she like says that that's what happened. That's still to come. Whatever the outcome of Koito's thing with I is, we haven't seen it brought to fruition yet. Um, but we did get her telling that she wasn't sure if she didn't she didn't care whether Koito was actually her friend. So there had to have been some question as to whether she was. I think the question was in her own mind. Yeah, because she says, "I like, think that's I a good point." Know I know nothing about Koito, she said. Right. Koito just sort of inserts herself into the story suddenly, into Ai's story. And she's there. And she didn't seem to be very giving with information. Um, so I think that's a good point. Um, and I'm sure that's going to play into the finale as well. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, well, as we I head into like... the last episode, but I have the feeling that blunt force against the warriors of Thanatos or whatever, I don't think it's going to work. And it seems to be the way Akka's approach problems. You know, Akka and Ura Akka, when when their daughter, their their made up daughter, killed uh, Azusa and the baby or at the point later killed the baby. But when they, when they killed us as they locked her up. They didn't try to like rehabilitate her. Yeah. It's sort of odd because she's a piece of code at the end of the day. Right. They didn't shut her down. They put her in a box. Were they trying to torture her? I think so. I think so. And she was pretending to be scared, it would seem. But she was always a program, so I guess she she wasn't actually scared. Um, but they never tried to to bridge them. They never tried to do anything. They never tried to undo her or They seemed fix to try the... to forget that she existed. Right. And they lost themselves in the, the bliss of raising a daughter again <laughs> but a real human daughter but a real human daughter yeah my favorite kind of daughter it is it's my favorite kind of daughter for sure because i have a beautiful human daughter it's also a really interesting metaphor for the fact that like they created this teenage girl without understanding teenage girls and now their teenage girl is turning into a teen now their girl is turning into a teenage girl and again they don't understand teenage girls I mean, I think it may be fair to say, although slightly rude, no one understands teenage girls. So I don't know why we would expect them to be better at it than anyone else. I feel like they were extremely irresponsible with how they created life. Um, uh, just they to... had no plan to... Like every single story about robots and those kinds of things, even Pinocchio, it's just a prototype with, yes. a, with a plan Pinocchio, for the future. Pinocchio the robot. Well, think about it. Like, Pinocchio is basically a, a pre-robot robot. He's imbued with magic, but he is a consciousness in a 
in a synthetic body or a a body that is not made of like the normal body material. <laughs> well, and I'd point out that story was long before we had robots of any stripe. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that like <clears throat> the plan was to put Pinocchio into a real human boy body. It but, was? Yeah. Yeah, because he wanted it and, and, and you know, uh, Geppetto realized that he he had denied him that. And so he was he was gonna do it. He was gonna he was gonna make him a real boy. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't remember the story well enough. But but that was not his is, to promise. The point is, he the, the idea is always that you you eventually give the the robot a, a more mature body, or they go crazy, <laughs> and that's how Edward Scissorhands. So you're getting <laughs> right from? yes edward scissorhands is another good example where he didn't go crazy but certainly his scissor hands got in the way of <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go crazy uh... i mean he was a little crazy because of loneliness because he got stuck in the castle forever but it, it's with his scissor hands that he's eventually able to connect to people so i don't know you know what I mean? Yes. I'm getting tired. <laughs> um, I don't know. I There are some interesting theories, but nothing that ties it together at this point. What's your theory then? What? I mean, what I think is going to happen is that we have seen these girls become friends because in the end, uh, Frill and her cohorts are going to be revealed to not have what frill wants which is that connection um which is going with they're they're going to realize when you know they see how the girls they tried to break uh rally together and the power of friendship knocks them out okay so i i agree that that is one potential um outcome of any grand battle but what i still don't understand is what we're fighting over and how we came to fight in the first place um what do you mean like well the i feel like the the akas are trying to resurrect um their daughter by what the the eggs allow them to do what the mechanism i am actually doubtful that the mechanism is going to be explained at all do you think frill has like is holding hostage their like real daughter so that's a interesting question no i don't i don't think that frill is doing that I think, well, I don't know. Frill is a threatening presence that will disrupt them, but I think they are trying to mine this um, sort of netherworld to eventually, what, find their daughter? And you think that Frill is blocking the parallel universe? Well, I mean, because these girls are all afforded the chance to bring someone back. So then, in principle, the Akas could bring someone back. But why didn't they? Great question. They're also not flesh and bone at this point. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe. Maybe they can't move in there without losing their consciousness to the death's lore or whatever. Maybe they're not strong enough. I don't know. It's it, he, he said it's because it's girls, right? Girls have their own heaven or whatever. 
I I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe they have to use the girls as the vehicle. Um they definitely are using the girls and they're they definitely are using, using them. them to uh to get Frill out of the way. I don't know why. Uh maybe they have to prove themselves. Well, they need to they need to combat Frill and her minions, but yeah, but why is unclear. And they, well, they also seem to want to like drive Frill out root and branch, which Makes sense because Frill does not seem to be a savory character. No, no, you're right. Um, but Frill has her friends, and they're sort of the thugs who seem like they're like the firewall. Right. Enforcing what? Right? This is the thing we don't understand. Like, what is Frill's agenda? Because in all of the things, it was in all, sorry, not all of the things, in all of the episodes or the one episode that delved into the backstory, we have no idea what Frill wants. She seemed to want Akka and Ura Akka, but she also seemed to have them. And then, you know, they... It's its very confusing. She kills the woman that one of them is in love with and is going to have a child. For what purpose? We don't oh, know. Oh, that's She's obvious. She's jeal- jealousy, right? Yeah. Except that she didn't get the outcome that she wanted. So she then, is it revenge that she's seeking at this point? I think to... of her like a Japanese ghost, sort of. Sort of that, like, like jealousy. And um, and she's like, she wanted to be their, the only thing in their lives, basically. She wanted all of their attentions on her. She and wouldn't articulate everything this, though. That, everything that threatened it, she went after. And now, I don't know, She now she's... There were only two things that threatened it. And she now it's almost like she's a virus. It reminds me of this yeah. story by the same writer as, um, as The Ring called Loop, where this, this, um, it's like the sequel to The Ring, but not in any other country except Japan. Like the, the ring has sequels here that are more directly related to the ring movie, but Samara or whatever you want to call Sadako in the Japanese ends up entering the internet basically and starting starts infecting people um, with kind of her like death wish. Oh, you mean like Twitter? (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's so it's so apropos that you bring that up because I totally nuked my Twitter account and then reinstated it when I realized that I don't have to nuke it. Uh, but I was like feeling the pressure because Twitter can be a pretty shitty place sometimes. It can yeah. be very judgmental. It can be very um it can be very competitive. <laughs> I mean, the the seminal advice related to Twitter is and, and you know it is never tweet like that's, that's right that's the only way to deal with twitter but right. go on but everyone else is tweeting so why can't i right it's like <laughs> because everyone everyone eventually enters into the crosshairs of the the twitter mall and is chewed up i believe so i believe that's the case um but yeah it was um it was a it's been a good series. I hope that they nail the finale. It's been very bizarre. It has been thought provoking, but I do wonder. I, it's 
a lot of it is because we just don't know what the hell is going on. And maybe once we know, we'll be like, well, that's kind of lame. But I can't tell you right now. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. We will be back with either more Wonder Egg Priority or, um, yeah, Beastar is just around the corner. July. Can't wait. Can't wait. We're going we're gonna to go into that strong. So definitely show up for that. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we will talk to you again. Okashkuikoyo. Okashkuikoyo. <laughs> don't, don't forget. <laughs> no, never forget. Wait, I shouldn't say that. That's like time to... podcast of all time this is champs in the making where we have made a bracket of every pokemon that has ever existed and are putting them up in battles head to head one-on-ones to scientifically find out the best pokemon every two weeks we gather up an assortment of hosts from the orange groves and cut a bloody path through the pokedex come listen to me defend the rights of crustacean based pokemon Olga is a perfect little baby and i will not stand for anything else Decidueyes the best fucking Pokemon because he looks like Robin Head. Shout some about why your favorite Pokemon is the best. Put them forward and insult Ambipom every two weeks, only on the Orange Groves. Uh, Puchina is the best, and my friends already knocked Mightyena out, which I'm sad about. So now we're truly just living on the edge. Hey, Raven. What's up, Fantast? Do you like anime? I sure do. Do you have a limited amount of time in your schedule due to demands of capitalism? Unfortunately, yes! Well, I have the show for you. It's called Weebkin Warriors. Oh yeah! It's that podcast where you and I come together every Thursday and talk about anime that are 24 episodes or less. That's right! And you can find us on the Orange Grows Podcast Network or your podcatcher of choice. Have, have a, a good, good Weebkin! weebkin.